It's fall, it's football season, which I love personally. Um, some people didn't have a great Saturday at the Gamecocks, but my Tennessee volunteer, volunteers did pretty well, so I'm thankful for that. Um, but anyway, my name is Taylor. If I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you. Um, if you notice these name tags all around, that is your community group leaders for this semester, this fall, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, if you don't have a community group, if you're interested in what those are, please go find one. Go find somebody with a name tag on. Um, cool. So if y'all would turn to Genesis chapter 22, going to the Old Testament today. Um, so I'm just going to read through this, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dive into what it means. All right. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day... Abraham looked up and saw, saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he, carried himself, or, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As, as the two of them went, uh, went on together, Isaac spoke up and, and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place of God, or God had told them about, Abraham built an altar, altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld, you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so, so much for this opportunity to come and gather and worship you this morning and eat some food and fellowship together. Father, it's just such a cool opportunity 
opportunity to be able to do that with a church family like this. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to come and speak this morning and follow, just frankly calm my nerves and just allow me to communicate clearly this morning. Uh, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so back to verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. You might ask, why, God, why did God test Abraham? To give a little bit of context and background, um, in Genesis 11.30, Abraham's wife, Sarah, or Sarai at the time, she can't have a child. She is um, unable to bear a child. And then in Genesis 12, God says to Abraham that he will bless him and make him into a great nation and give all the land to his, to his offspring. And then in Genesis 15, Sarai and Abram still have no children. Uh, and he even, Abraham was even questioning God about this. He said, as of now, it is just a servant who is his heir. And that's what Abraham was saying to God. But God reinforced his promise to Abraham that he will provide a child. And he jumped to Genesis 16. It says, or in that chapter, they decided to take matters into their own hands. Um, Sarah can't have kids, so they decided that maybe it's with Sarah's slave, right? That, that's what, that's, it'll still be Abraham's child, but not the, it wasn't the way that God had intended. It turns out that was not the move. It was not the way that it should have happened. Um, and it caused so many different problems, but he ended up, he did end up having a son. It was just not with the right woman. And then in Genesis 17, God made a covenant with Abraham and Sarah, and now they're both Abraham and Sarah. That means uh, a couple of different things. Um, but he promises that she will have a child again. And Isaac, which is the child's name, um, and his descendants will be blessed because of this. And he did bless the son that he had already had with the slave, though, as well. His name was Ishmael. Um, but then in Genesis 21, Isaac is born, and it's kind of funny that all Abraham, Abraham had to do was wait on the Lord. That's all he had to do. Um, so anyway, that's a little bit of background of why did God test Abraham. Because they tried to have children on their own in their own way. They didn't wait and be patient for the way that God had told them about and told them to. Um, so yeah, so that's verse 1. Um, verse 2, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Uh, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. I want you to notice there's no questions. There's no why it's my only son. I can't do this. I can't, I can't go sacrifice him. I can't do these things. No, he, he got up and went. Like That is crazy how how faithful and obedient Abraham was in that time. Um, and then on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. You see, he doesn't say, We will worship, and then I will come back to you. He says, We will worship, and we will come back to you. It is not... He knew that God was not going to take his only son. He knew that. He had so much faith in, in God that he was going to go up, and he had, Abraham had full intentions of sacrificing his son, but he was not going. He knew he had so much faith in God that he was not going to happen. He would provide another way, another way out of it. Um, just so crazy. 
And then in verse 7, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And you know at this time Abraham is like, like Isaac is old enough here to know, to, to know that there is something that's going on. They, they're going to make a sacrifice. They're going to have an offering. But there is nothing to offer. And so when, as, I mean, I don't have, I don't have children yet, but I can only imagine as a father, your, your child looks at you and says, hey, like, where is this offering? Like, what, what are we going to do? And he knows that God told him to sacrifice his son. Just the gut-wrenching thought of having to do that and Isaac then asking this question on top of it, that's, mm, that's crazy. Um, then Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. So again, we're seeing Abraham's faith. Because back in, um, there's different passages, but in chapter 12 and 13 and 15 and 17 and several, several other chapters, he, God promises that through, through Isaac that Abraham's descendants will be many. So Abraham was able to have Isaac with Sarah. And from that, Isaac was going to have many descendants that would make, that would in turn let Abraham have many descendants as well. And so God had made these promises, but now we see in chapter 22 that now God is saying to sacrifice his son, sacrifice Isaac. But Abraham is like, I don't know, like how, how does this work? This does, something doesn't add up. So, so Abraham knew that God was probably going to test him and that he would provide a way out of him. And moving on to verse 9, when they reached the place that God told them about, Abraham built an altar altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Just the fact to go through tying up your son, laying him down on the altar, and having the knife in hand ready to kill your son. Like, I don't, the sacrifice and obedience that Abraham had to have been, had to have had at that time, the faith in Jesus or in God at the time, to not, to not be scared to know that he was going to provide something. And a lot of people say he either thought that God would raise him from the dead or he would provide another way out of another sacrifice. But Abraham was fully willing to do it. Um, and moving on to verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything with him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram. Called by its horns, he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And said, I swear by myself, or declares the Lord, that because you have because you have done this and not and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies, um, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. 
So because Abraham did this and because he was able and willing to sacrifice his son in this way, he, like God is blessing him through that. He's blessing him and his sons and his many descendants to come because he did that. But then it says in verse 18, here's the catch, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. So I have blessed you to then go and bless others. Is that, that's what he's saying right here. So because you have been blessed, we need to go bless others. And that's kind of the stage in life that my wife and I are in right now. Is we have been blessed, and now we are ready to bless others. Um, and so that's all from that passage. And I, want, I wanted y'all to see that passage because my main topic here is I'm sharing my story. In your community groups this week, your community group leaders will be sharing their story and then ask some of y'all to share their story. And, and so what Matthew, I'm not sure if this is Matthew's thing or if he got it from somewhere, but he, there's four questions that you need to answer from telling your story. And it's, what was my life like before Jesus? How did he grab my attention? How did I respond to that? And what has my, my life been like since? And so... I'm not going to answer those like very obvious and blatantly, and I'm telling you a story, essentially, of my life, um, but I will answer all of those at some point, and so I'm thankful that I'm the first one that gets to do it, and it's kind of cool that I get to set the example of what and how to do it, so just know that some of y'all are going to be asked to share your story this week, so might be cool. Um, anyway, so y'all can, if y'all want to take notes on my story, my life. I don't care, but like, you can sit back and listen if you would like to. Um, so I got saved at an early age. I grew up going to church. My dad was in ministry. And because of this, I didn't really grow up and face a lot of hardships and sin. I, sh- I mean, sure, I struggled with a lot of sin, like through middle school and high school, as a lot of young guys do. Um, but through, like, through my youth group and through just some different mentors in my life, I had found a support and accountability, part, accountability partner that has helped, me, has helped me through all that. And so finally, after all that, I was finally thought that I was on the right track. I was a summer camp counselor at Camp McCall um, and found some awesome brothers in Christ that I still talk to today. And I went to Anderson University, and I was even leading a youth group at the time. I was doing all these things, these acts of service, um, acts of just doing the works, but and thought that I was doing great. But there at Anderson, the first year was pretty good, but I realized school was not for me. I loved the college life. I loved the intramurals. I loved having the friends. I loved hanging out. I loved the all-you-can-eat meal plan. It was great. Um, found the freshman 20 or whatever, 30 probably. But it's okay. Like, I loved it, and, but the academics was not, not for me at all. Um, but I didn't want to continue because of that. I hated school, the school part of it so much. But, or in, and I wasn't happy, but I was afraid of disappointing my family and friends and people around me at the time. And so I went through the first year, second year, and then COVID, COVID hit. And academics were still there because we still had to get through school. We were just doing it online. But all of the college life went away. We, had, we got sent home. We couldn't live there. We couldn't do anything. And because of that, I did not enjoy it. And I was, like, it was just, I, I just didn't enjoy it at all. 
and I didn't care about it because I was doing it for others and not myself. That was the biggest thing. When the next semester rolled around, tuition was going to be more than my student loans were already set up for, and in turn, I had lost scholarships this, and because I had lost scholarships. But the problem was that my, I didn't have any credit at the time, so my parents were co-signing the loan. Um, and I just didn't want to tell my parents. I didn't want that to come out. I was feeling, um, I did, yeah, I didn't want to tell them the, all that I was feeling, and I just didn't want to finish school because I thought they would have been so disappointed, and I didn't want that. I, yeah. But because I was too proud to tell them that I needed help and needed more money for school, I didn't get registered for class on time. And again, I was too proud to tell anyone, not my parents, not my roommates who I was living with, who literally saw me every day, and not my girlfriend at the time either. I was afraid of the disappointment, the shame, the confrontation, and scared that they wouldn't be proud of me anymore. I was so focused on others and not myself. And I wasn't just scared of feeling those ways from others, like others feeling that way for me. I was scared of what I would think of myself and the disappointment and self-doubt that would come from this. And because of that, because I didn't get registered for class on time, because I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. I had lied for a month. I literally was in my, like I would like leave my apartment, go sit behind the building just to act like I was going to class. And like it was, I just didn't want to tell anybody. I was too ashamed, too afraid of the disappointment, the and the self-doubt, the I don't know, all of it. And that was for sure one of the lowest points of my life. It was, and it was always a reminder that I was hurting and sinning against Jesus, the one who literally bled and died on the cross for me. All of this crap that I was doing. I knew it. I knew what the scripture said. I knew, I knew what I was supposed to be doing. I knew that I should have went out and told them. I knew that I should have done things so differently, but I didn't. I was, my earthly flesh got in the way, and I was too scared and too ashamed of it. But then Jesus, like he bled and died for me, for the crap that I was doing and everything I was putting myself through and everybody else through at the time, the lies and everything. But one day, my mom calls, and she says, because they were co-signing the loan, and she says, hey, this loan never went through, so how are you going to class? And at this point, I knew that I was called. There's nothing I could do to get out of it, to lie and go around it. And so she, she was like, I want you to come home now. I want you to come home and let's talk. And so we did, and everything came out in the open, and I was so relieved that everything finally had come out in the open. But the funny thing was that they weren't even that mad. They were obviously disappointed in like, the fact that I hadn't lied for so long. But they were even, the, only, the thing that they were really upset is that, they, that I didn't feel like I could tell them, that I could tell anyone. I was just holding this in to myself the whole time. And one of the biggest things they asked, though, during that conversation was, where are your priorities? I realized that they were not where they were supposed to be, and pursuing God was obviously not first. I was focused on, I don't even know what, whether it was my girlfriend at the time or myself, but it, it wasn't Jesus. It wasn't, was not where it was supposed to be. And after all this, 
I had to tell my girlfriend everything. I couldn't keep on living a lie, so everything was, I had to tell everybody. And that was one of the hardest things I have done and one of the hardest things we had to walk through. But, and she had every right because of this to go and leave me and find somebody else. She didn't have to stay with me. But because she herself had prioritized everything and Jesus was her top priority, she knew what it meant, the magnitude of Jesus' forgiveness for us, and to go and die on the cross. And so she decided to give me another chance and believe that Jesus would restore me and restore our relationship. Um, and to this day, the only lie I've told her since was that I have not bought a ring yet when I was proposing. <laughs> um, and now she's my beautiful wife. That's Kaylee back there. So if you haven't met her either. And since that time, I'm happy to say that my priorities have not wavered. Like Jesus has been my top priority ever since. And so after I left Anderson, God had opened, opened a door through a mentor of mine, and he created a position for me flipping houses as a project manager. And at the time, I was so thankful for that opportunity because I wasn't going to have to be, or if I wasn't going to be in class, I, know, I knew I needed a job, and I didn't want to go just be in food service or whatever. That's not what I wanted. I knew that I could be doing more. And so while I was doing this, God was restoring me. I was pursuing him the right ways. I was still leading the youth group. Um, but I was, like, he restored me from a point of brokenness that was so deep. And because of this, I was able to rebuild those relationships with my roommates, with my family, and now my wife that I thought were going to be ruined. But pretty much as soon as Kaylee and I got married, um, I took a side job emptying trash. I was flipping houses, making pretty good money. I was, had a side job emptying trash at a factory just for some extra cash. Because um, at the time, I was wanted to make sure that I could provide for Kaylee and that um, I could make sure that she had everything that she wanted because that's what I thought a good husband was supposed to do. I thought that having a good job and another additional income was great because I was loving her and providing for her. And we had all that we needed on our own. And that's, that's a catch. We weren't worrying about money. We weren't worried or thinking about what can we get or not get this month because we had enough and we were comfortable. Where, where we were at, where I was at in my job. Because she was still in school, she's still in school as, as a grad student um, for physical therapy. And so, but we just didn't have to worry about anything because I was making enough money to be fine. And, but the thing was, it was just a job that, I was, that we were comfortable with. And I wasn't being satisfied or fulfilled in that job at all. And, but sometimes that's the place that we're called to be there is just with a job that we're comfortable and that's okay. But in those times, you need to be pursuing him the right way and be a light where you are. Share the gospel and love the people around you in those moments. But for me, God was starting to make it very clear that it was, in fact, just a job. It wasn't, and it was nothing else. It was not something that I was satisfied with. I knew that I could do and should be doing more. I was supposed to be doing more. Um, so that place of comfort in terms of finances lasted all of about two months after we got married. Because God knew, he's like, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. So he, he was like, I have other plans. And so after we'd been married for a couple months, I met these people at a tennis match where their son and my brother were on the same team. And later again at the tennis banquet at the end of the season. 
so we got to talking there, and it turns out that they had a camp that they were looking to bring more people on to help improve so that they could turn their attention and focus on other things through that ministry. And it just so happened that I grew up going to camps. I attended many camps, many different types of camps, and I spent two years fully immersed in the camp world as a counselor and doing off-season retreats and all kinds of stuff. And I had done youth ministry for forever, and it's just crazy how God prepares you for stuff that you don't expect. And all the stuff that I had been through, all the stuff that I had done, like the good and the bad, all the crap that I did at Anderson, all the stuff that I had done growing up, the, um, that grew up at camps, the good and the bad, all of it. God is preparing you for something. Um, but we continued to talk, and I was like, if y'all ever need any help, or if I can do anything to help, let me know. But I knew that... I couldn't, I couldn't leave because I was comfortable with our job. I knew that it was going to be a pay cut taking a job at a camp at a ministry. Um, and Kay, Kaylee's still in grad school, so it, like, there was no extra income coming in. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, we had lunch a couple weeks after that to talk further. And again, I told them that I would love to help. I would love to be a part in some way, but... There was no way we couldn't do it because financially it just couldn't happen. We had no, we wouldn't have enough money to do it. Um, but then a month later, we had lunch again. We like lunch, if you can't tell. Um, and then they offered me a full time job. But again, I was like, uh, we're comfortable. I know taking this job is a significant pay cut. But I was like, we'll pray about it, right? Like I don't want to shut down any opportunities because my God is big, right? Um, but realistically, as my earthly and worldly flesh, I didn't think that it would happen. Like, I was, there's no way, again. And, but we prayed together and separately for about a week. We even went and got dinner with, with them. And Kaylee said, you need to take the job. And I had felt that way, but I, I thought Kaylee was absolutely not. And if there's one thing I've learned, it's that if God is calling you to something, he's going to make it obvious not only, not only to you, but also to people close to you as well. And so that was like the deciding factor. It was like, all right, let's do it. I don't know how it's going to work. Um, it was a very large chunk of money that I took out or wasn't getting anymore. Um, but if God wanted me there at Orchard Hill is where I am now, I knew that he was going to provide a way. I knew that he was going to make it possible for me to get there. And I was willing to raise extra funds or do whatever I needed to because God was calling me there. I knew that. Um, so we started budgeting everything that we needed. And instead of the trash job being extra cash, it became a necessity that we, and, or we couldn't make it through each month. Um, but even with that, we were still short each month. Um, but, and so we were going to have to raise even more funds. But because God was calling me there, and because of his promise in Matthew 6, when he talks about how he takes care of the birds and the flowers in the field, and he, he takes care of them, and they don't have to worry about where their food comes from or anything like that. He, I knew he was going to take care of us. He was calling me there. And so no matter what the need that we were going to have, um, I knew he was going to provide because we were being obedient to his call, as Abraham was. And because we were obedient, 
that God has provided in so many ways. Just confirming the fact that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. He's provided financially by covering the amount we were going to be short each month. And that is through an anonymous family here. that I don't, They know what I'm doing, but they don't know me. I don't know them. And I'm just so thankful for them. Um, I'm thankful for everything that Origins has brought to us. And, but talking about obedience, I'm so thankful you know, to fellowship and do life with you guys, with a group of people who literally are being the church and not, not just playing the church or talking about playing church or they physically are the church. If somebody has a baby, they have meals for the next 10 months or something, it seems like. It's, I, it's crazy. Like they, everything's provided for everybody. And if you're struggling, talk to Matthew or somebody. They'll take care of it, I'm sure. Or find somebody who will. Um, and through that, like this has strengthened our faith in Jesus tremendously. I guess, especially for Kaylee, as she'll be the first to tell you, she is all, she's all about the finances. Like, she's like, we have to have this, this, and this, or we can't, like, we, we can't make it this month. Or I can get three coffees this week and one coffee next week and I'll be good. Or so, I don't know, just random stuff. But she's, she's focused on that. But then through this, God has really taught her and me both that, hey, finances don't matter. I mean, yes, they matter. Obviously, you got to have you got to have them to live because living here in Greenville especially is pretty dang expensive. But God's going to provide. Like, we don't have to worry about it. As long as we're doing and we're doing what we're called to do and being obedient, he's going to provide as long as you're doing your part too. Um, but so when she felt peace about the job, I knew it was especially a huge leap of faith for her. And I knew God's hand was over it the whole time. And we know nothing, or, and we know it's nothing that we have done, but except just being obedient. That's, that's it. Like we, like, we shouldn't have been blessed in the way that we have been. Like, you've, you heard all the crap that I did that I've been through, and there's more. If you want to know everything, I'll tell you. I'm not hiding it, but I'll tell you. Um, but, like, there's just, I don't know. It's... Like, we didn't deserve it. Like, we didn't deserve Jesus to come and die on the cross for us. But he died for me. Um, and so, I just, we just want to be obedient to him. And to, and to his call to go out and make disciples in, among the nations. And in this case, for me, it happens to be 10 minutes down the road in Powdersville, South Carolina. Um, like Abraham, we chose not to be comfortable and obey him and his command and to go be a part of this ministry. And through Orchard Hill, this is pretty cool, this past summer we had 46 salvations and over 20 baptisms this summer in the lake that we didn't have money to pay for, but it was going to cost $100,000, but it got paid for somehow. And it's just crazy what God does and how God does it. Like, you don't know what you're going to do or how you're going to do it, but he's going to provide for you if that's what you're supposed to be doing. He's going to do it. He's going to take care of you. Um, and through that, I've been able to pour into kids and teenagers and college students and sharing my story so that hopefully somebody learns something from it or chooses not to go down the path that I've been to or 
so that they know that I've been there too and I can walk with them and I would love to walk with them through it. Um, and it's cool. I have a, there's a couple of them, a few of them here that are counselor and campers of mine and even the owners are over there too, the ones who I'm talking about. Um, and I'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to serve and so thankful to have an extended family in Origins to do life together and at Orchard Hill. I mean, I never want to miss an opportunity to be obedient to him. I'm sure that I missed so many opportunities when I was in college and going through all of that. And there was no way to know anything that he was calling me to do or opportunities that he was opening because I wasn't pursuing him. He was not my priority. He was not what I was focusing on. I was focused on eating, on playing video games with my roommates and so many other things, and it was not, not it and led to so much hurt and shame and, I don't know, just so many, so many things. Um, but that's why I'm here today and why I'm the man I am today is because of him. I never would have been at Orchard Hill. I never would have came here to Origins. I never would have been up here talking and sharing with y'all today. It's solely because of what he's done through me. And that's what I, like, I don't want this to be like, oh, hey, he's doing great or whatever. I want this to be a story of what Jesus can do and will do. Like, that's my sole desire. Um, and that's why Kaylee and I are hosting a community group and helping to get the youth group, youth community group here started. It's because that we just want to be obedient and serve and willing to, and are willing to be where God has called us to go. And we just want to serve and give back because of everything that Jesus has done for us. He's died for my sins, my struggles. He literally hung there on the cross with nails in his hands and feet and bled just so that I could be here sharing with y'all today. And, but, and so he died for my struggles and my weakness and my lying, my pride, my shame, and so much more. And, that, and so the least that I can do is just be obedient as Abraham was. Like that's, that's just what I, I want y'all to see through today is just how, what it looks like to be obedient, whether it's me or Abraham or there's so many other examples in the Bible. Um, but I want to close today with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, and I'm just going to read it. Y'all can follow along if you want to. It says, As for you, you were dead and you transgressed in sin. And this is it's crazy how it goes along with my life. Um, in, which you used, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the, king, of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its, its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when, when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by the works. It's not and so that no one can boast because of that. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in, in advance for us to do. So I just want to 
just wanted to close with that because like I was focused on doing the works, but then that led to not being satisfied, fulfilled. I needed to really rely on Jesus first because it's not by the works that we're saved. It's by our faith through Jesus and by the grace of God of coming to die on the cross for us. Um, and I'm just so, so thankful for that. And so I just have a couple questions, and if y'all want to come up, um, just, I just want y'all to focus on, one, what is he preparing you to do? Like, where are you at? What is, what are you going through that could be preparing you for? What is, what has he prepared you to do? Um, and then the next question is, whenever he calls you to something, will you be obedient? Abraham was obedient. Like, he was willing to sacrifice his son because God told him to. Simple as that. Um, Or are you going to stay put in the comfort and miss those opportunities? And so as you go through this week and share your stories and and think about your stories and what you've been through, it's as hard as it is. It's, It's freeing. It's also joyful to look back and see that, hey, this is where I was, but look at where I am now. Look at what God has done. And I'm just so thankful. And so I'm going to praise. They're going to do one more, one more, one last song. Um, I just want y'all to think about that the rest of this week. So, Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to serve you in this way today. I thank you that we can be here and hear a story of Abraham and the sacrifice that he was willing to make for you and because he was just being obedient. That's what you had called him to do. And just thank you for letting us gather and worship you today. Father, I love you so much. And just be with us through this week. And as we hear about our stories from our community group leaders this week and be with them as they share. And Father, I'm just so thankful for you. And in Jesus' name, amen.